Thanks for tuning in to the Link Church podcast. Link Church is located in Charlotte, North Carolina, and is committed to linking people to the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. But I am excited about today's word, so I want you to turn with me to the book of Jonah. And we are going to uh, read just a few verses from uh, the first and second chapters. So we're just going to read verse 17 of chapter 1. Then we're going to read verses 1 and 2 and then skip down to verse 10 in chapter 2. So we'll start with Jonah chapter 1 verse 17. And as you know here at Link Church, um, we just like to stand just to give respect to the Word of God. So if you don't have a Bible or you don't have it on your device, it's totally fine because the scripture will be right behind me on the screen. I'm reading from King James, but whatever version you have is absolutely fine. All right, so here begins the reading of God's Word. I'm just going to read it in your hearing. Jonah chapter 1 verse 17 says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. And then verse 10 says, and the Lord spake unto the fish and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. I'm going to speak to you this morning from the subject, sweet vengeance. Sweet vengeance. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We are so grateful for your love and for your grace. And so, God, I'm asking this morning that you would allow me to decrease, Father, that you can increase. I ask, oh God, that you would allow your word to come forth with power, with anointing, with conviction, because God, it would be a shame for us to come one way and leave the way that we came. But God, we want a word that won't necessarily make us feel good, but that would be for our good. And so God, as we delve further into your word today, we ask that you would allow us to be not only hearers, but doers of your word as well. God, we are grateful and we know that the enemy is rebuked. We cancel every hindering spirit that would want to keep your word from falling on good ground. And we declare, oh God, that when we finish here today we will be victorious and we will be able to say it was good for us to have been here we thank you God for all of these things in Jesus name amen you can take your seats you know in life we all have things that we like or dislike Uh, certain foods uh, restaurants colors, types of movies, types of books. We all have things that we like and that we dislike. Uh, My husband recently told me that I am a true blue foodie. And I said, well, I like food, but I'm not a foodie. And he was like, well, let me prove it to you. He was like, do you like Italian food? I said, yes. He said, do you like um, Latino food? I was like, absolutely. He said, do you like West Indian food, Asia? And so he starts listing like all these continents and countries. I'm like, well, actually, I do like that too, and I would eat that. And so uh, I have a wide variety when it comes to the types of foods I like. There's probably more food that I like than food that I dislike. Uh, But for me, papaya is a fruit that I can't stand. I cannot stand papaya. Now, if it's blended in a smoothie, if it's uh, mixed in a juice where I can't get the full 
taste of the papaya by itself, fine. But if you cut up a papaya and serve it to me, that is the day that I'm fasting. I don't do papaya. Um, I just, I can't, I can't take the taste of it. I don't like um, the scent of it, however faint. Uh, and so we all have likes and we all have dislikes. Just like um, some of you like um, certain types of coffee, right? Um, so listen, I don't have to go over it again. You can listen to previous podcasts where I've talked about, uh, brands of coffee that I don't prefer. Um, but, but some of you, uh, don't have discernment when it comes to coffee. You, you don't have a prayer life when it comes to coffee. You'll just drink any brand of coffee out there. Doesn't matter how it's brewed. Doesn't matter what kind of cup it in, it's in. Doesn't matter how it makes you feel. Doesn't matter how rough the ride is while it's going down your throat, unlike Starbucks, which is smooth. And I keep shouting out Starbucks. I'm waiting on them to run me my money. But some of you, it is okay. We are all here to grow, right? There's areas that I have to work on. Coffee's not one of those areas, but for you, that may be an area. But we all have likes and we have dislikes, okay? Um, that's one of the things that my husband and I agree on is coffee. Like what brand of coffee, when you, if you come to our house, there's only one brand in the pantry. Various flavors, but one brand. Uh, sometimes we say, well, I don't like a particular color, right? Uh, some people don't like bright colors. Some people don't like dark colors. Some people don't like stripes. Some people don't like floral print. Uh, we all have likes and dislikes. Some people are not into sports, then you have some people who love sports, but maybe they only love basketball, or they only love soccer, or they only love uh, swimming, or they only love to see uh, skating, hockey. But the great thing about life is that we get to choose what we eat for the most part, right? Um, we get to choose what we're gonna wear, we get to choose uh, what colors we're uh, allowed to like or allowed to dislike. Um, we're even allowed to choose the type of coffee that we drink, though some coffee should be banned, but this is America and so they let all things in this country. It's going downhill, but we get to choose. And so that's the great thing about life is having a choice. God gives us choices when it comes to certain things, right? He has certain things lined out in his word that he says, this is wrong and it's a black and white area, there's no grays. But there are some smaller things in life where he'll say, you get to choose how you're gonna fix your hair. You get to choose what color you're gonna wear. You get to choose what shoes you're gonna put on. Uh, but then there comes a point in time where we don't always get to choose whether or not we're going to do something even if we don't like it, right? So. Uh, going to the doctor is one of those things. If you have access to health care, you should go to the doctor. Uh, because it may not be something that you like to do. Uh, sometimes we feel like if I go to the doctor, they'll find something. If I don't, they won't find it. But if you have access to healthcare and you don't go to the doctor, I would say that's an unwise decision. Uh, you can always get a second opinion. You can always uh, kind of filter out some of the things they're saying maybe, but it's good to at least get that checkup if you have access to that, right? Uh, some people absolutely hate vegetables. When we first got married, my husband used to say to me, um, I don't like most vegetables because they make me quiver. That's what he said. And I was like, so he's like, I like broccoli and I like salad. I said, sir, we cannot live off of broccoli for 365 days of the year. And he's like, that's why we have salad, so you can switch it up. And I was like, no, no, we're not doing broccoli and salad. You don't have to put some collard greens in there, Miss Jean. 
you're going to have to put some sauteed kale in there, uh, something. But we're not living off of broccoli salad. Uh, but, but, but he initially just he hated vegetables. But I said, even though you may not like it, you have to eat these. You cannot live life without something as significant as vegetables, right? But even then, you have a choice. You don't have to eat all the vegetables in the world, but you got to eat something. Kids know firsthand about doing things that they don't like to do. Okay, if you tell my kids that it's playtime, before you even finish your statement, they're off, they're outside, they're ready to go. Once you tell them it's time to do chores, all of a sudden folks are hard of hearing, all of a sudden folks don't speak English, all of a sudden, yes mommy? Uh, Izzy, did you put your um, laundry in the washing machine? And then she's like, ah, oh, I thought I, um, I can't remember. I'm like, no, that's taking too long. Say so yes or no. Say so yes or no. We have front loading so you can reach it. No excuse. But they don't like to do chores. Okay? I have chores I don't like to do, but I do them because I need my house to stay a certain way. But dishes, I hate. Dishes, I, I don't even, I, 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 Miss Jean, that's like my least favorite chore is dishes. Okay? I do them because they have to get done. Uh, so we all have things that we don't like, but we still have to do. And those are a bit harder because uh, that's how it is with the will of God for our lives. He often will ask us to do things that we may not necessarily want to do. Raise your hand if you've ever said, God, yes, I'd like to be a pastor. Sign me up. See, nobody, not even the pastor raised his hand. Why? Because that's not usually the first job people think of when saying, I want to do something for God, right? Uh, but you start to realize that actually, a lot of times when you are asked to do something that you may not want to do, it's not just for your own good, but it is also for the good of somebody else. And I think about the fact that if we had not uh, started Link Church, there are so many of you sitting in here that I would have never met, that I would have never encountered. And some of you think that we are a blessing to you, but so many of you have also been a blessing to us. Your smiles, your encouragement, just showing up Sunday after Sunday, trust me, that is an encouragement. And so I realized that just because, and don't get me wrong, we love Link Church now, we're happy to do it, but I'm saying initially, if you had told us five, six, ten years ago that we were going to move to Charlotte and Pastor, we would have said, um, no thanks, um, next caller, right? Because we would have hung up. But Jonah now finds himself in that same situation where he is asked to do something that he really, really does not want to do. Because Jonah is asked to go to Nineveh. And Jonah is a Hebrew. The Ninevites are Gentiles. And they're not just Gentiles, they are wicked. Right? They are serving false gods. They are not participating in what Jews would consider to be kosher or holy practices. And so at this point in time, Jonah, like the typical Hebrew, is thinking to himself, you know, these Gentiles, they're off doing their own thing. Let's just leave them to do what they're doing. We'll stay over here and continue being righteous and holy, and we don't have to interact. And God says, but I want you to actually go to Nineveh, and I want you to call them to repentance right? God wanted them to know that uh, he was going to destroy Nineveh, but they had an opportunity to, to have that overturned. And so Jonah is, is upset by this, and so he does something drastic by getting on a ship that's going to Tarshish. Now, if you do your research or if you look at a map, Tarshish is about as far west as Jonah could have gone. 
And so Jonah decides, not only am I going to go to um, someplace other than Nineveh, I'm going to go to a place that's like real far out. I'm going to Cali. I'm over here in Charlotte. I'm going to L.A. And so he gets on a ship and he thinks which is crazy because he is a prophet. He is somebody that has, who speaks for God. He is somebody that has walked with God. He is somebody, this means, that has conversed with God. He is somebody that knows what type of God he serves, and that is a God that is omnipresent, that is omniscient, yet he thinks, here I am, I'm going to get on this ship to Tarshish. And so he gets on the ship, and these sailors, unfortunately, don't know who it is they've just let on their ship. And so uh, there, Jonah is there. They're there and they're thinking they're just going to have a smooth uh, sail over to Tarshish. But God sends a great wind and it starts to disrupt things. Now, the thing about this wind is that it was not just a normal wind, because I have no doubt that these sailors uh, had encountered winds and, and, and turbulence before. It's like uh, if you are a pilot and you've been flying a plane for years, a little bit of wind is not really going to ruffle your feathers, because you know that sometimes there may be turbulence. Uh, but this wind was unusually strong. Uh, it caused some unusual turbulence. And these sailors were like, somebody on this boat must be responsible for this because this is absolutely crazy. We've not seen this before. And so they're trying to figure out who is responsible for this wind. And so they decide to cast lots, as the Bible tells us. Uh, and it falls on Jonah, um, as God would have it, because <clears throat> God is like, thou art the man, right? Let's the lot fall right on Jonah. And they're like, okay, <laughs> who sent you, right? That's basically what they're asking him. Who are you? Like, who sent you? Because these lots fell right on you. And Jonah has to explain who he is. And he also has to explain that, listen, you guys might as well throw me overboard. Because as long as I'm on this ship, it's, it's like, going to be no good. So I'm actually running <clears throat> from the creator. So uh, you guys might as well throw me overboard. And so they, they do so willingly, by the way. The Bible doesn't say, and they prayed and tried to decide whether or not they should throw Jonah overboard. They're like, all right, bro, well, listen, have a great time. Don't know where you're headed from here, whether it's Nineveh, Tarshish, I don't know, but see ya. They throw him overboard and things begin to calm down, right? Uh, but I'm struggling with the fact that Jonah <laughs> was willing to die, willing to drown, before he was willing to go to Nineveh. And I said, God, what was Jonah's issue? I understand that the Ninevites were Gentiles. I understand that they were not um, your people at that time in terms of um, they had not yet accepted your salvation. They had not yet accepted a relationship with you. But what was Jonah's issue? And he said Jonah's issue was that Jonah was struggling with unforgiveness. Jonah was struggling with wanting uh, to see revenge uh, taken out on the Ninevites or people like them. He wanted to see God exact his vengeance on them. And so his unforgiveness caused him to not only uh, nearly drown himself, but he put others in a position to almost drown. When you are unwilling to forgive, you do not just affect yourself, but you affect those around you because unforgiveness is bitter and it will spread like a cancer. And so the people on this ship had to get rid of Jonah, so they throw him overboard 
Lord. And so now Jonah is swallowed up by what the Bible calls a great fish. Now, when I was growing up in church, we always heard uh, this story as kids, the story of Jonah and the whale, story of Jonah and the, and the big fish, right? And so we probably, um, many of us can almost recite the whole story in our sleep. But this time, what I struggled with was the fact that the Bible says that God had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. So it wasn't a random occurrence, wasn't like um, God said, hey, this may or may not happen, but I'll just wait and see how this plays out. First of all, God knows, of course, what's going to happen before it happens. But it's not like, um, so it's almost like God knew what I was going to wear today, but he didn't necessarily prepare it, if that makes sense, right? He gave me the option of what to put on, even though he knew what I'd choose. But this fish was prepared for Jonah. And I said, but God, why did you prepare a fish for Jonah? And the reason why God prepared a fish for Jonah is because Jonah was getting ready to learn a lesson. Jonah was getting ready to learn that unforgiveness will literally eat you alive and it will swallow you whole. So Jonah now is swallowed by this great fish. And he's in the belly of the fish for three days and for three nights. And Jonah is now sitting in the belly of a fish. And if you think that that's the same thing as sitting in your man cave with a 70-inch TV, I have some news for you. I think it was slightly different. If you start to look at what is inside the belly of a fish, or if you want to say the belly of a whale even, uh, there's a lot of mess in there, right? Because they will eat whatever it is they can get uh, their hands on, so to speak, right? Maybe I should say get their fins on. I don't know. But they will eat whatever is in the sea. They are not eating kosher. They are not eating organic. They are not eating gluten-free. Whatever is in the sea, that fish is eating. And so now Jonah is in the belly of a fish, and he is sitting in mess. And he is sitting in mess because he refused to forgive and because he wanted to see God turn his backs on his people. That was not Jonah's decision to make because God says all souls are mine. You do not get to decide who God forgives. You do not get to decide who God draws to himself. You do not get to decide how God will take out his vengeance if he even decides to take out vengeance. The only choice you have to make is whether or not you will forgive. That is it and that is all. The reason why Jonah was upset that God wanted to save and deliver the Ninevites is because Jonah had an issue that some of us modern day Christians have. And that issue is we think we personally have a hold on God. That is why you see so many denominations, because the Baptists will think that they have a hold on God. The Pentecostals will think they have a hold on God. Uh, the Methodists and the Episcopalians will think they will have a hold on God. But God will say that my name is not Jack. You can't put me in a box. I am that I am. I will reveal myself to whomever I want to reveal myself. I will save whoever I want to save. 
deliver and heal whoever I want to deliver and heal. And so Jonah's issue was that he acted like the Israelites had a hold on God. But God was saying, you did not create the Ninevites. You have no decision in the process whether or not I destroy the Ninevites. That is not your choice. Your choice is simply to forgive and to go. So some of us can relate to Jonah <clears throat> because you may be sitting here wondering, well, God, why are things so hard for me? I, I attend church regularly. I give my tithes. I show up for work. Um, I, I'm faithful as much as I know how to be, but yet it seems like I am always struggling. It seems like I am always uh, not able to get ahead. And God is saying, because maybe you are still sitting in the belly of a fish. Well, what is the belly of a fish? The belly of a fish is the place of unforgiveness. Now, when Jonah was in the belly of the fish, he was not only sitting in mess, but it was a place that was dark. Uh, it's going to be a place where you are going to find yourself alone. It is going to be a place where you find yourself not really able to get out because it is a place where you are trapped. Notice Jonah could not get himself out of the belly of the fish. And perhaps it went something like this. Perhaps day one, Jonah is sitting here and he's saying, well, listen, <laughs> this fish belly is still better than Nineveh, so I'm good, Jesus. We good, fam. Okay? Then night number one, he's like, I'm going to just get some sleep. This fish probably doesn't even want me in here and it's just going to spit me out and we're going to be good. And then day two comes and he's like, God, I'm still good. I'm still good because I do not want to go to Nineveh. I do not want to see them delivered, so I'm good. Uh, and then day two, you know, Fish is taking in some more food, and he's like, okay, okay, this is <clears throat> getting awkward, right? Sitting in the belly of a fish, contemplating. Contemplating his life, probably, because he's probably like, okay, God, now you know. You don't need to really have me sitting in. Day three, here comes some more food for the fish. Jonah's still sitting in mess, still in darkness, still trapped. Night three comes, and finally, after three days and three nights, Jonah gets this epiphany, and he's like, you know what, maybe I should repent, okay? So he starts to cry out to God. He starts to repent before God. He starts to let God know, okay, fine, I will go to Nineveh, right? Uh, and I believe that during those three days, uh, God had to work on the heart of Jonah and show him some things. And so some of you may be sitting in the belly of your own fish. You are sitting in a place that is dark, you will not forgive, so now you find yourself alone because you have pushed people away. 
you are sitting in mess because you are pining and you are bitter and you are trying to figure out how you're going to get back the person that hurt you, the person uh, that did something to you that was offensive. But let me tell you something. Sometimes you think that unforgiveness is, is killing the other person when really it is killing you because unforgiveness is the same as drinking poison but you're waiting for the other person to die. It will never happen. And so what happens now when you are sitting and you're dealing with your unforgiveness or your unwillingness uh, to, to turn the other cheek and to say, uh, I'm going to pray for those uh, that do evil against me, you think that you are holding up somebody else's blessings. And so you think, oh, you did me wrong in business. And so now I'm not going to do business with you and your business will never prosper. Oh, you did me uh, wrong when I was a child. I'm going to hold that against you and now you will never flourish. Oh, you, you did me wrong when it comes to money and so I'm no longer going to lend money to you and now uh, you are going to live in poverty. But I want you to know that sometimes while you are sitting in the belly of a fish, you've got Ninevites who you are offended by that are over here and God is actually dealing with them and speaking with them and while your Ninevite or your offender may have uh, offended you perhaps they have also repented perhaps they have also been dealing and talking with God and so now you don't want to do business with them but they are running businesses and they've got uh, three to five streams of income you don't want to lend them any more money fine but now God has caused them to be the head and not the tail they are now the lender they are not the borrower uh, you have said I'm holding on to this since I was a child I'll never forgive you. Fine, but they are prospering because you cannot hold up somebody else's blessing. You cannot hold up somebody else's anointing. The only thing that you do when you don't forgive is you stop your own progress and you hinder and you delay your own freedom. And so sometimes while you're sitting here not forgiving your brother and not forgiving your sister, they have moved on. God has moved on. They are now uh, living life as it should be and you are still stuck in the belly of a fish can't get out trapped and you say God why am I still in this place you're in this place for three days three weeks three months 30 years why because of unforgiveness look at what got Jonah out of the whale his willingness to repent so long as Jonah was unwilling to repent, so long as Jonah was unwilling to go to Nineveh, I believe he still would have been in that fish. Longer than that time. It's when he cried out to God and repented that God eventually allowed the fish to spit Jonah out. And some of you are wondering, God, when are you going to allow this situation to spit me out? When are you going to get me out of this hardship? And you know what's dangerous about unforgiveness? Yeah, you're blocking your favor and your access to the anointing and the power of God, but you're also blocking the forgiveness of God. Because the Bible tells us that we have to forgive if we want to be forgiven. And I don't know about you, but I am not perfect enough to go without God's forgiveness. I need the forgiveness of God 
daily. I need his grace. I need his mercy because I don't intend to offend people. I don't intend to hurt people, but I'm human. And some days I am going to miss the mark. Some days I'm going to think something I shouldn't think, say something I shouldn't say, do something that I should not do. But it is because of the grace and the mercy of God why I am still here. And wouldn't it be a shame for you to come to church week after week, hear the word of God, jump, shout, lift your hands, serve on the link squad groups, but still end up in hell because of unforgiveness. Wouldn't it be a shame to go to hell simply because you would not forgive? And then because you would not forgive, your sins couldn't be forgiven. And then because your sins couldn't be forgiven, you are now in eternity in hell. And once you are there, there is no coming back. There is no repentance in the grave. There is no asking for forgiveness in the grave. Once you are there, it is too late. And I believe that somebody in here needs to hear this message because God says, just like Jonah and just like the Ninevites, I I am coming for you. I want you to get out of the belly of that whale. I want you to get out of those evil practices. I want you to turn and do what I've called you to do. But first, you've got to recognize and acknowledge your own wrongdoing. You've got to acknowledge your own unwillingness to forgive. But until then, you will be trapped. Because sometimes you have to do what you don't want to do. And hear me when I say this, forgiving the other party is not excusing their behavior. Forgiving the other party doesn't mean they were right. God sees everything. He knows if you've been wronged. He knows if somebody took advantage of you. He knows if somebody mishandled you. But the kind of God we serve doesn't give you an excuse to keep unforgiving despite what you've been through. Despite who mishandled you, despite how old you were, when they mishandled you, what they said, what they did, he doesn't give you a license to unforgive. He says that you absolutely have to forgive regardless of what you want to do. And so, Sometimes we question God and we say, but why, why won't you get revenge on them? Why, why won't you get them back for what they did to me? Why, why won't you let them feel the agony that I felt when they crossed me, when they offended me? First of all, sometimes you can look at a person and not know that they are actually in inner turmoil. Right? So you don't know what the person who mishandled you is going through. But then on the flip side, God is just simply sovereign. And we don't like to hear that, but God is sovereign. He gets to do what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, and how he wants to do it. So you may have handled a situation one way, and God is saying, no, that's not how I want that situation handled. I'm actually going to handle it this way. And aren't you glad that? It's not up to people like Jonah whether or not we get delivered or close to God or saved or forgiven or healed or set free. Because if it was up to Jonah or people like Jonah, probably none of us would be sitting in here, right? Because we all have families that love us, but then there's at least one person that probably doesn't want to see us do well, probably doesn't want to see us prosper. But God will say, in spite of the Jonas in your life, I will still prosper you. 
but you've got to also be willing to get out of that ship because that ship is going to sink, that ship of unforgiveness and disobedience, it is going to sink. And that is the thing about unforgiveness. I believe unforgiveness will cause you to be irrational. If Jonah was thinking rationally, he wouldn't have tried to flee from God. If Jonah was thinking rationally, he would not have uh, preferred to die than to go to Nineveh. Because really, what, what, what's it to Jonah? He didn't create heaven. He didn't create earth. Why is he acting like he's in charge of it? It, it should have been, God, I don't prefer this, but I'm going to do it. No, he tried to almost die first, right? Okay, he went to Nineveh, and I feel like when he got there, God was like, but did you die, though? Right? You didn't die. You're here, Jonah. Wow, look at that. You made it. But, you know, the Bible also tells us Jonah gets to Nineveh, and he says, you know, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown or Nineveh will be destroyed. Um, and the Ninevites respond the way God wanted them to respond. They become repentant. They put on sackcloth and ashes. They declared a fast. Even the king was like, hey, we got we to gotta turn. We got to do something different. And Jonah becomes angry at this. Jonah gets upset. Now, I'm like, sir, did you not just come out of the belly of a fish? You can get swallowed up again, sir, right? Because me, if I literally was, see, that's the thing about these Old Testament stories. It's so easy to, like, gloss over them. But these things really happened. It's not like these are analogies or bedtime stories. Like, he literally got swallowed by a fish, okay? And I'm standing here letting you know that it's easy to say, oh, you don't know what you would do if you were in Jonah's situation. Yes, I do. If I was in the belly of a fish and I had a chance to get out, I'm not going back. Jonah was in risk of going back. I'm like, oh, you like being trapped. You like sitting in mess. Because he's like, this is ridiculous. These Ninevites are actually repenting? Like, God, what is going on here? God's like, uh, my will. <laughs> That's what's going on here. So he goes outside of the city, and, and, and he's sitting in the sun. He's miserable. And he's like, even this. He's saying to himself, whew, he's got to be saying, even this sun is just better than seeing these Ninevites, you know, get saved. And God causes a plant to grow to give Jonah some shade. And Jonah's like, whew, okay, it's got some shade. But then God also allows a worm to eat the plant up. And when the plant gets destroyed, Jonah's like, oh, this plant. God, if it be your will, let this plant live. Not my will, God, but your will. But this plant doesn't deserve to die. For God, it's really just a plant that was giving me shade. And how could you let this plant die? And I'm like, Jonah, what is your... Jonah. Jonah. See, Jonah's one of those people who would say... A human being died? Huh. Oh, no, not that cocker spaniel, though. Not that German shepherd, not a dog. Oh, my God. Right? I have nothing against pet lovers. I have something against people who prefer pets to humans. That's what I'm saying. Nothing against pet lovers. Absolutely nothing. If you want a dog, want a cat, fine. It's when you prefer the dog or the cat to an actual human life. That's when I'm, like, looking at you like, okay, Jonah. Right? So Jonah is upset because the plant gets eaten up and God confronts him about it. And he's like, you're over here worried about a plant. The, the uh, further research would let us know that in total, around that time, Nineveh would have had a population of about 600,000 people. <laughs> Jonah would like to see close to a million people die over a plant. It's irrational. 
But that is what unforgiveness does to you. It will make you irrational. It will cause you to try to hunt down somebody in a way that doesn't make sense, trying to get back at them in ways that doesn't make sense. You can be so unforgiving and so angry for so long that you start to even forget what you're angry about. Some of, some of us walk around here and we're angry. Why are you angry? I don't know, but I'm angry. Where do, who are you angry at? I barely remember that, but I'm angry. And unforgiveness does not just spill over into the person that you are calling yourself holding a grudge against. But sometimes uh, when you see people that are like angry over anything. So it could be something simple like your boss says, Cindy, you're late for work today. And you're like, you don't tell me that I'm late. The clock tells me that I'm late. But you don't tell, well, Cindy, we're looking at the clock, and the clock is telling us that you're late. But people that will, like, blow up consistently over nothing. I'm not talking about when you have a bad day and you may snap. I'm talking about people who day in and day out snap over the least little thing because they are angry. Why are they angry? Probably because they haven't forgiven. Why haven't they forgiven? Because they want to get revenge. Why do they want to get revenge? Because they feel wronged. And God is saying, vengeance is mine. I will repay. And we had a question about, well, well the Christian uh, perspective of, of revenge. What do I do with, with revenge, right? How do, I, how do I sift through those feelings or those emotions or those thoughts? Guess what? There's a reason why God does not want us to get revenge. And the reason is because God is just. So for God, if he does choose to punish someone or a group of people, the punishment will always fit the crime. If we exact revengeance on a person or a group of individuals, chances are the punishment will not fit the crime, right? So for example, um, I, was listening to this I was listening to this podcast and um, it's hosted by these two ladies who now live in the States but they're from Nigeria. And one, uh, one of them was saying when she went to visit home one time, she was in the car like with her uncle, they were getting gas and somebody cut them in, in, in the line basically um, to get their petrol. And, and so her uncle gets out the car and he's like, you know what? You just cut me in line for my gas. You will never prosper. Your children will never prosper. In Jesus' name, your business will be failing. And, and she's like, but it's, it's, it's gas, sir. Like we're, we're next in line. But he was like, but that person cut me off. And I'm not gonna put on the accent for you guys today because you guys aren't ready. <laughs> no, you, got, you, got, you guys aren't ready. You guys aren't ready. I'll, you know, I'll, say, I'll save that for like the message about coming out of Wakanda, and then I'll put it on. But since we're talking about Jonah, I'll just stick to my regular American accent. But it probably would have done the story more justice if I had put it on, but, that, but that's okay. And, and, so, and so her uncle is like fuming mad, and, and he's telling uh, the person who cut him in line that he'll never prosper, his children will never prosper, his business will not flourish. Who even knows if he owned a business? But he's like that angry that he cut him in line. And I'm saying to myself, but see, that's an example of the punishment not fit, uh, fitting the crime. If somebody cuts you in line and you decide to confront them, okay, you can say, excuse me, I was here, you know, you need to, but like prophesying that they'll never prosper is ridiculous. And God is like, and that is exactly why I don't need you to get revenge. Because you can be over here killing folks' businesses and all they did was take the last milk in the milk aisle. And you over here prophesying that they won't be in good health and all they did was take the last um, loaf of bread. Really? 
And so we cannot be trusted to exact revenge. Furthermore, God does not want us to get vengeance or get revenge because there are times when God sees someone's heart. And that is one thing that we can't see. We do have people that we know would call themselves a good judge of character, and God does give us discernment. But we'll never know as much as he knows, right? And so even if we can correctly judge someone's character or their spirit, a lot of times, do you know that some people who have hurt you and have offended you, A, don't even know that they hurt you or offended you because sometimes we don't communicate that, right? We just end up being angry and the person has no idea. And I know that that's true because I made that mistake as a um, teenager. Uh, I had a disagreement with, uh, with someone and I thought for sure she wouldn't have said something to me um, unless she meant to. So I just, I, I stopped talking to her. Like I started scaling back how often I would call her and talk to her and like before you know it, it had like gotten to a point where I wasn't talking to her at all. And it was years later when we sat down and we talked and she's like, I've been wondering why you just started to kind of like scale things back. She's like, you didn't cut me off completely right away, but you started to just be different. And when I told her, well, you said X, Y, and Z years ago and that really hurt me. And she was like, Jen, I see your point, but I had no clue that that hurt you that bad. She was like, actually, when I said that, I was speaking out of emotion, but I actually didn't intend to cut you in the way that you felt cut. And so we lost years of being friends or having a good friendship because I assumed that she knew how deeply she had hurt me. And so sometimes people hurt you and they actually didn't mean to hurt you or cut you in the way that you feel hurt or cut, right? That's number one. Uh, also sometimes, depending on what the offense was, people are sometimes doing things because they honestly don't know better. Sometimes the way people deal with you, and that's how their mom dealt with people. That's how their grandfather dealt with people. It doesn't make it right, but it means that maybe they didn't have any other better example. And even those who say, I'm going to say this to this person and I know it's going to cut them, even those people, God says, don't get revenge. Let me handle them. And how do you get out of thoughts and feelings of revenge or vengeance? How do you get out of thoughts and feelings of unforgiveness? How do you get out of the belly of that whale? The first thing you have to do is pray. Whenever I was um, younger and I would say to my dad, dad, so-and-so hurt me, he would give me the answer, pray for them. Now, okay, that's, that's the, it's the right answer. It's also the sanctified answer that most of us don't want us to hear. You know, and I'm a daddy's girl, so I wanted him to be like, they did what? Okay, you know what? I'm from uh, Baltimore. Don't worry about it, Jen. I'm going to handle it because he's from Baltimore City, and so you can say the wrong thing if you want to, but people from Baltimore, no, not having it, right? But he would say, um, pray for them. And I would say, okay, let me <clears throat> rehearse the story for you because I think as you're aging, you're not hearing what I'm, what I'm saying. So I rehearsed the story, and he's like, right, pray for them. And he's like, no, not because what they did was right, but pray for them so that you don't block your own blessings. And then what they decide to do or what God does decides to do with them, that's between the two of them. But you make sure your heart is pure and your mind is pure. And I know that that is not the easiest thing to do. But I do know that nobody in here wants to be separated from God. Nobody in here wants to hold up their blessings and hold up their favor. Your forgiveness activates God's favor over your life. If you are waiting for doors to open in your life, your forgiveness is the key to unlocking those doors. 
And I also don't want you to worry about who might be trying to get revenge against you. Because maybe you think that, well, you know, I have to get them back first because we both kind of crossed each other and I know they're going to get revenge against me. Guess what? No weapon that is formed against you is going to prosper. If you know you have wronged somebody and you, it, it, there's no way for you to communicate with them to tell them that you're sorry, uh, then I need you to go to God and ask God for forgiveness and understand that anybody that wants to harm you, anybody that wants to uh, see to it that you go down, anybody that wants to see to it that you uh, come to harm, if you are under the protection of God's hand, that plan is annihilated in the name of Jesus Christ. We are returning that uh, back to sender and any plan that the enemy had against your life, it will die by fire today. But if you want the hand of God over your life, you've got to forgive. And you can stand because I am closing. I am, I am done. But what God wanted us to know is that his vengeance is sweet. And it's not sweet because you should be sitting there saying, oh, I'm so excited that God is getting this person back. Or, oh, I'm so excited that God is finally going to let them feel what I felt. His vengeance is sweet because he's just. And so he will always do what needs to be done. So if he needs to save or rescue the person that wronged you, he will do that. If he needs to punish them, he will do that. But it is not up to you. That individual soul does not belong to you. And because that person does not belong to you, how they are handled, their destiny does not belong to you. It is not in your hands. But what is in your hands is your ability and your decision to forgive. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. For more information about Link Church, you can visit us on the web at www dot linkchurchnc.org.